This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. Guys, um, really, really pleased to um, uh, have Johnny and Ben come to speak with us this morning. I think, uh, yeah, so Johnny and Ben have been with us for about two years now. They've both moved to Cheltenham to be students here. Um, but what's great is, I think, um, I found when I was a student, I was around so many students who uh, just wouldn't get stuck into a church. They just floated around, just never really got stuck into community. And they just thought, I'm only here for three years um, and then I'm going back home or going somewhere else. And I think, ah, oh, such a shame when students think like that. I think three years is a big time in your life, and it's such a formative time in your life. These guys have got stuck into community. Uh, we love them, and they're going to serve us really well because God is on them. So um, I'm just going to quickly pray for them, and then, uh, yeah, we're, we're in for a treat, I'm sure. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for both Johnny and Ben. Lord, I want to thank you, God, for uh, just the hearts to serve you and love you. Lord, thank you for how they um, boldly represent you in their communities uh, amongst other students, Lord, and in this town. And we say this morning, Lord, we just ask you, fill them again with your spirit, Lord. Let them feel you close to them, Lord. And as they speak, Lord, we pray our hearts would be challenged, encouraged, and transformed as the gospel works through us in our hearts, Lord. Amen. Cheers. So, yes, as Andy said, my name's Johnny, this is Ben, and today we are going to preach about choosing friends wisely. But we're not going to do it like that. So, (laughs) in footballing terms, I'm going to play a nice three ball to Ben. He's going to be one-on-one with the keeper, and he'll square it across to me, and I'll smash it back into the goal. If you don't understand football, I'm going to start off, then Ben's going to come, and then I'll finish off the talk. So, Ben, do you want to pray for us? I'd love to pray. So we'd all like to bow our heads with me as well. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for gathering us in this place this morning. I pray that you'll help us, guide me and Johnny, Mm. guide our lips, and may the Holy Spirit fill in this place. May we open our hearts, open our spirits to your word this morning. May we be challenged, may we be encouraged, and may we gain closer to you this morning. Amen. Amen. Great. Cheers. Okay. Put your hands up if you have over 300 friends on Facebook. Make it 200. Come on. Put your hands up. I want to see all the hands in the air. Brilliant. Keep your hands up still if you'd call every single one of those friends an actual friend. Maybe not. I don't know. We live in a society where true friendship seems hard to come by. We all have people that will like our things on Facebook, like our things on Instagram, maybe retweet things. But are they actually our friends? Or are they people that are just liking our stuff so that we like their stuff? 
so that they seem more popular? Would they actually stand by you through a time of difficulty? You see, in the time of FaceTime, Skype, Facebook, all that, we are more connected than ever before, yet it seems we have never been so lonely. It feels difficult to cultivate real, authentic, trustworthy friendships with people. This was not God's plan. See, in the beginning, before the universe was created, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all living in perfect harmony, perfect friendship. They are the idealistic friendship for us to kind of live up to. And because of this perfect relationship, God wanted to share his love with others. So, he created the earth, he created animals, and first he created Adam, and God said it was good. But actually there's a part in Genesis 2.18 where he says, It is not good for man to be alone. God created Eve, someone who was equal to Adam, but different. Someone who could sympathise and understand him and be of the same nature. I think we can apply this already to our own lives in that, you know, God is for us, with us in difficult times and we should definitely turn to him. We can sometimes feel we shouldn't reveal our weaknesses and pretend to be strong and need no help. But God is actually waiting for you to ask him for help today. But God also gives us the gift of friendship. He gives us wise men and women who can speak into our lives. God will probably speak through your friends to really have insight into the issues and day-to-day things that you're going through as well. So he can use relationships around you to guide you and lead you. It was his design for us to be in constant relationship with people. So, God was very pleased. And he loved Adam and Eve from the overflow of the relationship he had with the Son and the Spirit. Things were outstanding. Life was perfect. You know, Adam and Eve could even just walk through the garden in the cool of the day, just nattering to God. Uh, How amazing is that? Imagine that. Just walking in the cool of the day. Just having a good old natter, a bit of laugh, a bit of a banter. Amazing. I love that. Until this thing called sin enters the world. This big problem which Howard alluded to earlier. We all remember the story of Adam and Eve and how they ate from the forbidden tree. I don't know why it's always got to be an apple, but it's an apple. Don't worry, you can eat apples after the service. (laughs) It's not going to kill you. And in this moment, they fall short of God's standards. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. They are cut off from God. Their relationship with God is just broken. And they are thrown out of the Garden of Eden, and other things are spoiled. Child labor becomes excruciating. Growing crops becomes difficult and hard work. Sin starts to change and mutate all that was good in the world. And because of this, we have inherited this in our own hearts. It has become like a cancer inside our hearts. 
mutating our desire to worship the creator to actually creating, to worshiping the things that he created. Because of this, we have actually all become fools. How does this affect us? How does this change who we are friends with today? Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with the wise grow wise, but a companion of fools suffer harm. This is saying if you spend your time and have intimate relationship and friendship with fools, then you will make foolish mistakes. Many people think, actually, I'm the exception to this problem. I can be with anybody I like for as many times or hours as I can, and I won't get affected. It's easy. However, a pastor from America called Bill Hybels sternly suggests otherwise. I'm just going to read out a quote by him. According to this proverb, close friends are more deeply connected than we might think. Though we may view ourselves as independent individuals, we are joined to our close friends by something like permeable membranes, those ultra-thin walls through which tiny particles can pass back and forth. What passes between close friends are values, convictions, morals, habits, and goals. They pass back and forth whether we realise it or not. So despite our illusions of individuality, we end up being deeply affected by either the wisdom or the foolishness of our friends. This quote highlights our illusions to individuality. Some of us may think we live in a world where we are just individuals, working alone, going about our own business. However, this is not the case. You could think of us as islands, but actually we these islands are all interconnected. We have all a network that is running through us, people that are always interacting with us, and we're always interacting with other people. We are never just alone. In fact, we're defined not by our actions, but by the network of relationship in which we live. Who we are friends with is of paramount importance to our lives. I'm going to read a passage from Proverbs, since this series is working through Proverbs, um, in which it's going to label a few characteristics in which these kind of people, it would be a, a good idea not to have in our close circle of friendship. And also it would be important for us not to be like these characteristics either. So, Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and a hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. You may or may not be a Christian here today, but we all inherently make bad decisions and have faults. Like I said earlier, we are all fools. This does not mean we should 
treat a person insignificant to us or even to God, or that we shouldn't even talk or approach these kind of people labelled up here. We need to have a missional mind with a wise head on us. For me, I live in a house full of non-Christians, and that comes with lots of challenges and also lots of banter. And, and I've learned to build up a filter of things in which I learn where, when they're saying good wisdom and when they're saying bad wisdom. When they're being fools and when they're being wise. And essentially, with all that, I've had to make sure I spend as much time as I can with God, with other Christians as well. Otherwise, I know I will end up just... These little things will seep into my life and I'll start doing things that actually will lead me down a bad path and they'll start influencing me. So, yeah, we all need to be careful. I'm just going to unpack what was said in Proverbs. So, the number one was haughty eyes. What does haughty actually mean? (laughs) It's someone with an attitude of superiority. Someone who's arrogant. As you can see, Simon Cowell and his smug face. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Um, I'm sure we've all seen him on X Factor. When we see this hopeful person come on thinking, actually, I'm the best. I've got this. I'm going to win the X Factor. I've got the X Factor. To which Simon Cow, he would be like, no, that's rubbish. Get off the stage. And he's sitting there in his comfortable little place, all high and mighty. Proverbs 16, 18 said, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fool. Do you want to be close friends with someone who is leading to destruction? Number two. A lying tongue. Pinocchio, classic. I think if we all had Pinocchio's gift, <laughs> I don't know if it's a gift, but if all our noses grew longer when we lied, I think life would be a lot easier because we'd be able to tell who's lying. And I think the amount of people lying would actually decrease significantly. Nevertheless, Sadly, God didn't create us that way. (laughs) We cannot walk closely with someone who is not consistently truthful without getting our hearts broken. At some point, they will hurt us and betray us. That pain of being lied to will be excruciating. Number three. Hands that shed innocent blood. You're probably all thinking... Oh, I'm all right with this one. I wouldn't become friends with a serial killer, and I'm pretty sure I'm not a serial killer myself. However, it's not just the physical shedding of blood. It's innocent people being destroyed in a variety of ways. People who abuse their power, take advantage of people's vulnerability, or, or their hearts are not moved by the suffering around them. An example of this, actually recently, is the sex trafficking that goes on in Cheltenham during race week. At times of this year, there's a hike in the number of prostitutes and sex slaves in Cheltenham. 
Recently, actually, two brothels have been closed down during police raids in Cheltenham. And Channel 4 is actually running a documentary called The Hunt for Britain's Sex Traffickers. It's becoming a more prevalent thing in society. These people we should never allow to invite into our inner circle of of friendships. These people who run these sex trafficking things. As a community of God, it's something that we should be fighting against. It's It's an example of something we should be passionate about and passionate against fighting for. Number four. Hearts that devise wicked plans and feet that make haste to run to evil. I know it's a bit blurry, but I don't know if you've heard of this lady. She actually took around £150,000 worth of benefits, um, saying that actually she couldn't walk, that she, was, she had to use a wheelchair. However, as you can see here, she's walking quite perfectly all right. And around Christmas time, she made the rookie error of posting on social media a video of her dancing to Christmas music, to which people like hang about, what? She has benefits for being disabled. And so she got caught up on it. And in fact, she wasn't just dancing, she actually ran a cafe of her own. Again, these people we have to be careful not to get too close to. Number five, final one. A false witness who breathes out lies. This is basically a gossiper. I've definitely been in a conversation where someone will tell you something about someone else that you really shouldn't know. You have to be wise and know that you shouldn't share any sensitive information with that person. Because otherwise, who knows where that information is going to go? Are they going to share it on to another third person? Again, we have to be careful who we invite into our close circle of friends. At times, we can all be like this. We have sinful tendencies, insecurities, fear, jealousies, and selfishness that can lead us to tear down others. But the last thing we need is to walk closely with people who continually have the habit of bad-mouthing someone, or lying, or tearing someone down, or gossiping. So at this point, can I ask, if you were another person and you met yourself, do you think you'd want to be friends with yourself? All right, thank you, Johnny. Well, first things first, this subject raises a few notable questions. After hearing about all the fools that seem to be out there, why would we even want to bother with friends? Why wouldn't we want to all be sorry for ourselves and alone, like Johnny here? (laughs) In his natural habitat. That was a joke. Wearing questionable socks as well, but that's besides the point. Just look at the stats. On average... Did you know that we spend six hours alone every day? And that's not including sleep. We can get through life being lonely. I mean, who'd want friends? 
Why make friends if we are afraid of befriending a fool? But, hang on. Why would we actually want to be alone? Loneliness, surely, shows the innate desire for community. We want friendship. We want belonging. We want community. God in the Trinity shows a loving relationship between Father, Spirit, Son. God in creating mankind shows the desire for a loving relationship between God and us. God in creating man and woman shows a loving relationship that he wants us to have with each other. God said that is not good for man to be alone. And that means for all of us. We should take that. And let me remind, remind you of something. We need friendship. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 to 12 read, Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So despite of all the fools that are out there, despite us focusing on the fools just now, don't be afraid. Me and Johnny aren't here to scare you. Relax. <laughs> this morning, we're here to encourage you. For good things happen when we seek wise friendships. So who? Who do we want to walk with? Who do we want to be our friends? Well, if you know of someone who shows good, wise, friendly qualities, then I'd say walk with that person. It's being with this person that good qualities will rub off on you. Have you ever heard of the expression, he or she is rubbing off on you? It means that you've been around a person so much that you're starting to act like them. Recently, I went to visit my girlfriend Emily in Dudley. Thank you. <laughs> that is nice. <laughs> you don't need Facebook, you just do it on the pole. I went to visit my <laughs> in Dudley, only for a few days. It's a completely different world over there. Accent, not understandable. I came back to my Bristolian family. My dad picked me up. And he realized that even though that I've been, I went to Dudley only for a short amount of time, I had picked up her family's mannerisms and my accident had kind of changed a little bit. <laughs> my dad said, mate, she's rubbing off on you. My dad was bitterly disappointed. Couldn't believe I started to speak the black country. No. <laughs> It was a joke. It wasn't. He wasn't that disappointed. Don't worry. 
He was just pointing out that I had changed. And I know I've painted the Dudley accent in a bit of a poor light. I mean, I live with a Dudley person. Someone from Dudley, sorry. So, <laughs> a Dudley person. <laughs> sorry, mate. I'll get chucked in the doghouse later or something like that. But depending on your preference, uh, accent aren't, accents aren't actually that bad things that can rub off onto us. It just highlights that whether you like it or not, things can and things will rub off onto us. And after all, there are worse things that can rub off onto us other than accents. There's a lot more worse. So we should want the good things. We should want the positive things. We should want the spiritual things to rub off onto us so that we can push ourselves towards a purposeful, more meaningful and right walk of life. We are deeply affected by the wisdom of our friends. We can increase our chances of growing in a positive way by choosing right people to whom to become friends with. It goes back to our key verse this morning. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffer harm. Life is not going to work out if we surround ourselves with the wrong kinds of people. We need to walk with wise and godly friends. When we're talking about friends here, we're talking about people who are meaningful to us. Not friends that we want them to like like our photos on Instagram or Facebook. We're talking about friends who we want to have a heart-to-heart with over a McFlurry. Love a good McFlurry. (laughs) Proverbs 18.24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man could have a hundred friends, and he may look so comfortable in his constant hospitality. But it's when great trouble arises, that's when they'll desert him. That's when those friends will start to fall away. It's that one friend, that one in 100 friends, that will be closer to us than a brother. That will perform all duties of a friend and will be with us through thick and thin. So I know what you're asking. What do we do? How do we choose the right friends to be with? How do we find that friend who will be closer than a brother or sister? It comes down to one question. Who do we want to become? Who do we want to become? Such a big question. I have to chuck it on the board. Once we answer this question, the rest will become clear. Whether we know it or not, we walk with people whose thoughts, words, and actions are similar to our own. And I'm not talking about personality lifestyle, talents, careers, preferences, nothing like that. I mean, I'm a diehard Manchester United fan. (laughs) And I live with a Manchester City fan. That's madness. Why do I live with this person? I mean, I ask myself that sometimes as well, but that's besides the point. (laughs) 
Football teams are great hobbies, and they're a great passion of mine, especially. But they are not the thoughts, the words, or the actions that I'm talking about here that bind us together. I'm talking about the deeper issues of integrity, of character, initiative, truth, discipline, and so on. Even though me and my housemate will never look eye to eye with who's the best team in Manchester, we come together in our push towards becoming more Christ-like. That's why we're such good friends. And I love it. It's these issues that are important to us. These are what we should share in with others. These are what will define our friendships. We want to find a living example of these people. We want to find an example of how to live our life. So now we get onto the meat. Thank you for listening so well so far. And we're going to look at who is the best example. Who do we want to rub off onto us? Who do we want to become? I believe I have the answer for you. Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Jesus is the perfect friend. Jesus shows the characteristics of a wise friend. The characteristics of a wise friend are the complete polar opposites of the traits that are detestable to God, of the traits that Johnny described earlier, complete polar opposites. And I'm going to run through these traits of a wise friend now, briefly. Instead of a proud and arrogant person, we ought to look for a humble person, a teachable spirit, someone who serves and encourages others. I wonder, who showed us the perfect living example of this? Jesus. Jesus showed humility and servanthood through the washing of his disciples' feet, among many other examples, of course. He stooped himself down to this lowly task of love. As his followers, we should emulate him. We should choose friends who are humble, serving, and as encouraging as this. Would you wash your friends' feet? Is there anyone that you wouldn't? Instead of a person with lying lips, we should look for a person with a record that speaks the truth. Honest Abe, come on. He had a great record of speaking the truth. And what a great thing to be remembered for. He's remembered for using honesty to break down barriers to solving huge national issues. What do you think you will be remembered for? Honest Abe is good. He's mint. But who is the best living example of honesty? You see where this is going. It's a church after all. Come on. <laughs> Jesus. John 14.6 says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God, came down as the source of all truth. He was sinless throughout his whole life, and he didn't commit a single lie. Otherwise, his sacrifice for our sins, it just wouldn't have worked. 
Jesus had to be truth. I personally need people who have committed themselves to honesty and aren't afraid to challenge me to do the same. Why don't we all be honest apes? Even better, why don't we all be like Jesus? Instead of people who are cruel, insensitive, and use power to destroy the weak, we must choose friends who are tender-hearted and merciful. Jesus laid his life on the cross so that we, we may receive forgiveness, a relationship with him, and eternity in heaven. He made the ultimate sacrifice, and that's a revelation of how much he loves us. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Imagine, just imagine the power of good that would be unleashed in a group of friends who spurred each other on to tangible acts of love and grace. Instead of people who create plans that are risky, illegal, illegal or questionably immoral, we must seek friends of great integrity. Friends who will pull us to higher levels of character. Jesus is our ultimate example of always doing the right thing. He lived his life to obey God, the Father, in every way. And he was always doing good. We need to pursue people who are pure-hearted, who maybe sometimes trouble our conscience just enough so we can challenge our own decisions. We need to question whether what we are doing is right or is wrong. Instead of a loose-tongued person who can break our confidence or our hearts, a gossip, we need to look for people to whom we can bear our hearts and our souls to. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his, his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Jesus did not come to the earth to judge us as bad people. He's not someone that we should run away from. But he came as the escape. He came as the safest place for us to run to. We need people that we can run to. We need someone who will provide a safe place for vulnerabilities. A place that is more guarded than the Queen's crown jewels themselves. Lastly, instead of a person who spreads trouble or bitterness, we need to seek friends with a reconciling, forgiving spirit. Friends who are committed to working through conflicts quickly. Jesus was tortured, and in an agony on the cross, he still spoke, God, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Oh, what an unbelievable act of forgiveness. That's incredible that Jesus was willing to forgive, showing the merciful heart of God. In friendships, let's be honest, disagreements will be inevitable. We've, me and my friends, we've disagreed about Chinese takeaways. We've disagreed about the use of an emoji on a picture. R- ridiculous stuff. It's going to happen. But if the people involved are willing to break down barriers, then these conflicts can be resolved. 
and opportunities for growth and deeper bonding can happen. With my final point, I want to ask, would you like to walk through life with friends like these? Does it sound good to be surrounded by a small band of friends with humble souls, honest words, serving hands, pure hearts, listening ears, and reconciling spirits? Are you ready to actively pursue significant relationships with wise people? We've got to be diligent to do this. We have to take the initiative. We need to be purposeful. We need to pray. Be a thinker. This next slide is a next slide is a very famous bronze statue which shows a man who's in deep thought. I'm sure you've seen this. The thinker. We need to be like the thinker. We need to think carefully about who we choose to be our friends. Jesus was intentional about his friends, about his disciples. In Luke 6, 12 to 13, it says, One day soon afterward, Jesus went on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be his uh, apostles. Jesus was about to choose who will be the closest to him for his life. He was about to choose a small group of people that he was going to be honest with, vulnerable to, and to those he was going to entrust the planning, the organization, and the training of the church that he was going to sacrifice himself for. It was a massive deal. Jesus took it very seriously in deciding who was going to be his closest band of friends. So why don't we? When was the last time that we diligently thought about wise friends? Why don't we take time to think and to pray about those who will be right for us? So before we come to a close, I'm just going to smash out three points that show us what a gospel community should look like. Number one, it should be Christ-like. One of the most important ways the community helps us is by embodying Christ's continuing presence on earth. A Christian community full of wise friends must be like this. When my brothers and sisters love and accept me, I feel Christ's love too. When I confess my sin and they forgive me, I know that God forgives me too. When they pray for my brokenness, I know that they are sharing in the healing work of Jesus. We need to serve each other in this community, just like Jesus served and gave up his life for us and for the church. Number two, gospel community is accountable. A Christian community challenges each other. Jesus is pouring out values, and if you get close to Jesus, then he will bring challenges to you. Sometimes we need that someone 
to be accountable with, to tell them what we are like, what we're struggling with. Jesus did this with his disciples. They were accountable with each other. To have our Christian community surround us with compassion and encouragement lightens our load, strengthens us, and gives us the courage to keep on trying and to be more Christ-like. So Ben, what are you like? Howard, what are you like? Simon Cow, what are you like? <laughs> Johnny, what, what am I like? And as I just move on to my last point, could I ask the band to come up? The third point is to be missional. The value of Christian community reaches even further than bringing the body of Christ to strength and maturity. It's about knowing that our gospel, gospel community is attractive to those outside of it. That they will be intrigued by the warmth and safe environment it shows. As a community who is Christ-like, we need to be looking outwards and drawing people in with the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So guys... When we are in our workplaces, at our university lectures, down the pub, playing football, going for a run, meeting up with someone for coffee, or simply just walking down the street, let's be thinking, how can we be a witness to God's great love to others? For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.